this like a goddamn? My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics unscripted. Welcome back into Paramax Unscripted. I'm your co-host, Jason. I'm here with my co-host, Bobby. Bobby, how you doing, brother? What's up, homie? What's going on, man? We're here live for episode number 32. So tell me what's been going on, man. It's been a long time, man. We're getting right back into it, though. It's been, it's been a while again. Yeah, well, it hasn't been too long. It's been, what, two weeks? Not even two weeks, about a week and a half. Hey, we're, we're early for February. That's all I got to say. Right. <laughs> no, uh, right off the bat, I just wanted to say, uh, again, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, thank you to everybody for listening. And also... Gotten some feedback, wondering why this wasn't more of an instructional type podcast, and just like we said in the beginning, this isn't going to be like an instructional type. If you're like a paramedic student type podcast, this is basically just talking about medical views, and like it says in the intro, anything else we want to talk about from our point of view, which from a paramedic's point of view, no matter what topic that is. Yeah, uh, and we're being so honest. No with confusion. You too. Sorry. Right, and being as honest as possible. I, I know there's people out there that would like more of an instructional, like especially if they're going through, you know, they're studying to become a paramedic or whatnot, but this isn't that type of podcast necessarily. Yeah, this isn't a book smart podcast. This is a street smart podcast for paramedics. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so what do you, you want know, to get just, into today? Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's just uh, I, I just think it's, it was just important for me to get that out here, out there, because I've I've gotten responses from people wondering, well, dude, why isn't it more of a instructional? It's like, well, there's instructional aspects to it, but that's not the main role. Yeah, we're not here to replace your uh, your paramedic uh, class instructors and stuff. That's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about stuff and also give you real live feedback to what really happens in the field and whether it's good or bad, sometimes just, you know, talk to you about those things and those items and then whatever else the fuck we want to talk about. And then certain things, if you are starting out that you, whether you can learn from certain experiences we've had or certain experiences other people have had, or just, you know, certain pitfalls to avoid or situations to, you know, avoid. So you would make maybe certain mistakes that we've made in the past. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, man, that's a that's a great segue into what one of the things we want to talk about today. And uh, actually, it kind of relates perfectly. Um, we were going to talk about today med school, going to paramedic school. Um, do you want to take that over to start? Yeah, there's I mean, there's different different programs out there that do it different ways. Um, uh, Jason and I have both been through um, similar yet different programs. Um, and things have probably changed a lot since then, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, uh, yeah. No, because I, I was actually, I stopped teaching probably about 17 years ago. I was, I, was, I was big into teaching at one point when I was uh, 
a number of years in my career and I started teaching because I've always been the advocate that no matter what it is you teach, whether it's, you know, junior high, high school, whether you're a music teacher, you teach guitar, piano, whatnot, or even this, for me anyway, I always learn more when I'm teaching than I really ever did when I was a student because you're not only teaching the material, you're also learning from the students. Well, yeah, and you have to be a master of your subject to be able to teach it to somebody else. That's what that's kind of the way I look at it. Because I didn't go down your road like you were an actual instructor. I never went down that road because um, that's just not my, my cup of tea or whatever. But I definitely you know, taught people how to be a paramedic as far as when they were in the field and they got released. You know, they just got there. They're a certified paramedic. But that doesn't mean shit when you get in the field. Now you have to learn wherever you work, like how it works. And, and you know, you have to overcome your fears of being by yourself, making decisions and stuff like that. And I would work with those people if they were if, if I had a partner that was like really big EMS person and they were just a brand new paramedic, those are my right. favorite partners to have because they would just soak up the knowledge. And I still have one to this day that still calls me and it, I haven't, I haven't been in medicine now for since 2015. So it's been eight years now. Um, and he still calls me to this day. He works in a different County than I worked at at the time with him. Um, he upgraded or whatever, but, but he still tells me this day, like, like, Hey, I went on this call, man. And, and, and I remembered what you did on a similar call. And then I've kind of learned through my ways and tweaked a little bit of my, my stuff in there and tweaked it. So now it's like a combo of what, you know, I taught him versus what he kind of wants to do himself and has learned on his other journey stuff and put it together. And it was like, just kind of cool to hear. And I was like, yeah, man, that's what I was telling you. I was like, it's not, I don't want to teach you to be me. I want to teach you what you need to do. And then you can tweak it how you want to tweak it. You know what I mean? To make it yours. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things I've noticed over the years is, uh, and I can't really speak for maybe how curriculums are taught now because I've been, as far as teaching goes, I've been out of the game somewhat for a while as far as being an instructor. But um, when I was part of a curriculum, which was actually, I started becoming, I became an instructor in the, one of the curriculums that I went through as a student. Um, That's cool. Which, but just going through it, and then when I when I became an instructor, so many years later, after the fact, I, you, you definitely see how things had changed, not necessarily for the better. And the biggest thing I noticed when I went through, um, they had more of a keep it simple approach, which, in my opinion, is the best way to approach it. You know, you condense it say into three categories. As far as well, I'm talking strictly advanced life support, I'm leaving. I'm not talking about basic EMT. I'm talking about when you get into the, you know, advanced life support, they had it when you got to that level, they had it into two categories. You went to an intermediate, which is, you know, in, in some States it would be considered like back then, like you were, if you were an ALS provider, a medic, you were the first, which is now you have EMT intermediate, which is, um, you know, at the national level. Um, but I think they pretty much done away with that too. Um, or by states, you'd have like say something that was labeled as they say cardiac technician or yeah, that's real car cardiac respiratory and technician and shock traumas and stuff like that. Well, shock trauma was below that. Yeah, that was you know, yeah below cardiac tech. But um, you know, uh, but they kept it simple where they they condensed a lot of the information you were going to learn into just like say the way I into three categories. Like one was telemetry, one was a procedures 
you know, class where you learned all the bread and butter of all different types of scenarios, whether it's OB, cardiac, um, you know, endocrine system, whatever. Okay. And where you would, it was more cohesive in the way you would learn it. You know, you were there in this, when you were going through different topics and different categories, you were in the same class to connect the dots, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, when I, when I became an instructor and I was mainly, you know, cause I'm a hands-on guy. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem teaching lectures, but I'm, I'm more of a hands-on person where I like to. You're you not going to, you're not just a slide reader. No, no. <laughs> um, um, those are the worst. I'm not, a, I'm not a slide reader and I'm not like a glory call, you know, like a, one of those. Oh, the war stories talks about the, 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 uh, the, the, the war stories, which is, uh, which just drive me absolutely crazy. Yeah. Whenever we had those in my County where we worked at, we'd have, you know, different, sometimes we'd have different people from other agencies come in and teach. And if they just start doing war stories, I'd just be like, Hey man, can I just sign the sheet so we can get out of here? We got a call or something to do. <laughs> right. And I, I was more of a hands-on, which we had like what we called the lab, which where you would learn, you would do all of the skills you were learning learning about in the uh lecture portion of the curriculum you know the lab was for you to practice it in more of a you know a practical atmosphere where you would actually it was hands-on and you would actually do what you were being taught in in training scenarios and or you know or just learning the skills physically yeah and you're trying to make it like more real life stuff yeah right and so that, that was more my forte. That was my wheelhouse. Um, but when I became an instructor, one of the things I learned going through that same curriculum, you know, that I went through, it had changed in a way to where instead of having it condensed into, say, three categories throughout the semesters you were going through, keeping it simple, they spread it out into, depending on what the topics were, whether it was like cardiac, whether it was telemetry reading, whether it was, you know, OBGYN whether it was just uh, trauma, whether it was endocrine system emergencies, whatever, they would have a separate course for each one. Okay, so then you're running into the problem of you're spreading these these students out to too many different places and to where you're going to have more of a problem of where the right hand's not talking to the left and vice versa. Sure. Where a, a lot of these courses that they would break it up into – the different categories, they were taking too many classes to where it was making it too confusing because, you know, you got too many classes and the only place they're going to where somewhat it's going to connect the dots is when they come to the lab, which the problem we were running into where I would, I would notice that, um, the, uh, different instructors of teaching different classes, we would notice that when it would, you know, we were following a syllabus where every whether different lecture classes they were going to, you know, alongside the lab, everybody was supposed to be in the same timeline as far as syllabus. So they'd come to class and we would say, all right, today we're going to go over, you know, cardiac emergencies and mega codes and, you know, reading telemetry, fine tuning, whatever. And, you know, the students would be like, well, we're not, we haven't gotten that far yet in, in our different lectures. It's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, you guys should be well into this right now. Well, we haven't gotten to that yet. It's like, so we would run into problems where all the classes were offset, and especially when it came to lab. You know, they should be at a certain space in the curriculum, a certain, you know, in the timeline, and they weren't there yet. So nothing would match up. Yeah. 
So we would have to play catch up. We would have to, it, it was just a, it just got to the point where it was a clusterfuck. And I felt bad because me knowing how the old way was better um, because it kept it simple and it didn't spread it out so much to where it would confuse students, if I'm making sense. Yeah. You know, they would spread it out into too many different medical categories into two different classes when they should have most of those those medical subjects in the same lecture class. Well, and didn't you, yeah. didn't you teach it a, a college? Like, is that, you did that kind of yeah, curriculum? Yeah. Cause that's something I wanted yeah. to bring up to, to everybody too is um, cause obviously we lived in the same area and I had that same option is, is that um, you could take it where we lived uh, or where you live, still live. You could take it at that time through a college, uh, a community college, like an so you get an associate's degree for it which would be yours was a two year. Is that correct? From, from B to P would it be a two year? Correct. Okay. And then the other option was you could do a condensed course, which was run by a private company, not a college, but you still could get college credit, um, you know, through the affiliation with the school. But the way we did it was B to P I'm sorry, B to I was six months. And then I to P was a separate second class, but it was also six months. So instead of doing it in two years, I being intermediate, P yeah, being paramedic. Right, right, right. So you could actually go to, you could get it done in a year. However, it's much more condensed. Um, you're drinking from a fire hose as far as the knowledge goes, and you have to really pick it up kind of quick. Uh, whereas your way was obviously not that, you know, it's one way is better than the other or anything like that, but it was more spread out. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Well, I can, I can see what they were trying to do. What they were trying to do, they thought that, the students would absorb the certain topics more if they spread the certain topics into separate classes instead of having all the topics under one roof or a longer lecture, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess with me, it's then like it would be more it would more coincide with the lab where there wasn't as much question because instead of keeping up the lab, keeping up with what eight different classes are teaching the students at one time, you're just having to keep up with two. That makes sense. Well, I guess, I guess my thing is like, and this is just my personal preference. Um, I obviously chose the, the condensed course. I mean, you know, I, cause we, I just talked about it, but um, I like that better because it was hard as fuck. Um, yeah. However, at the same time, you all you had to do, more, you zoned in on medic for six months and then, mm -hmm. and then, and then you, then the class is over. Now you're an I, right. And then you mm -hmm. can decide if you want, depending, like you said, where you're working, it might not be an advantage to go to a P. It just depends on where you're working, what the protocols are. And then you can take mm -hmm. a break. There's usually a break about a month anyway until the next class started. And then at that point or any time afterwards, you could, because I did my B to I and then got hired on where I worked um, because I's at that time were roughly the exact same as paramedics. There were a few exceptions here and there. Like we had to call at the beginning, we had to call for morphine and stuff like that, narcotics. Um, that changed later on. But that was really the big thing. You know, it wasn't really that, there wasn't that much difference and there was no pay upgrade or anything like that to be a P versus an I. And otherwise you had all the same uh, stuff you were allowed to do. So later on in my career, like maybe a year into it or something, our, our County offered an I to P class. Of course, you know, they're paying for it. I'm going to take it. So I took that. And then it was by the, actually by the same, actually it was a different class, but the same format of a condensed class, you know, like the six month basically type thing. And, right. and I enjoyed that because yeah, it sucks. Yeah, we still had to work uh, during the class, like still run our normal 24-hour shifts whenever we were on duty and stuff like that. But your your brain focus is like, okay, this is going to suck for six months, you know, stressing about all the stuff and the rotations and all that other stuff you have to do. But then after that, you're done. Whereas the other one you would have to, and it, and it conveniently was in our county, so it was like taught in our county, one of our county buildings. So that was nice too. You didn't have to drive anywhere. But, but then the other thing was, 
it wasn't as spread out. To me, I'd like to hit stuff, hit it hard, and get it over with because I concentrate better like that. But other people may right. like it, like you said, more spread, spread, spread out, gives them time to get it. You know what I mean? Because in our class, like it was like I remember in our I class, we were learning about like you said, uh, cardiac rhythms, their telemetry, right? And we were learning about that at one point. And it was about we had a two week section roughly. It was that, so it was like four classes or five classes, I guess, could be a Saturday one too. And basically, they told us as we're starting to go through it, they're like, "Hey, you guys got two weeks to get this." And by week three, we're moving into the next subject, whether you understand it or not. Like, because it's a condensed class. It's not, they're not there to baby anybody. You know what I mean? And I remember like, it was cool, but he's, but our instructor told us, he said his favorite part of teaching that class, that part of the class was watching the light go on in everybody's head. And it all goes on at different times. You know, like each person learns at their own pace. Right. right? And, and I remember that because I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Cause I actually knew the instructor from prior days. Um, and I was like, ah, whatever. And then I started learning the stuff and I was like, God, this is hard as fuck. Like reading rhythms and all this stuff it got really hard. And then one day it just clicked. And I was like, oh, this is obviously this. Oh, this is obviously this. Oh, this. Is and then all of a sudden he just looked at me. He said, yep, you got it now. You're good. And that's, that's really what happens too. It's kind of like uh, uh, to compare it to something completely different. It's kind of like if you were a musician and you were playing, uh, you know, guitar or saxophone or whatnot. And, you know, you're, you're at that intermediate level to where it's like you're absorbing all this information and you get it to a certain extent, but you're still like, you still don't have that key that just kind of unlocks the door to the, you to where you can visualize pretty much everything. And then it all makes sense. Yeah. And it all becomes like yeah. so much easier at that point too. Right. You have that, you get to that point where, and, and they, you know, it was just told to me, it was told to you. I told this to my students. It's like, you, it's a lot of information to take in, but you get to that point to where you have that aha moment and that, like you said, that, that light just flicks on and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, you're like, now I get it now. Cause you find that one and it's different for everybody. It's that one piece of information and it, and it, for everybody out there, it can be a different piece of information that all of a sudden unlocks that door to where you can all of a sudden now see. Yeah, and I don't want to make you it know, sound like my instructor was an asshole or anything. He was really no, cool. No, no. But it, I just remember, like, you know, he'd be like, hey, what's this rhythm? You know, because everybody had, like, sheets that they gave out. And, I'd be like, and you know, they call one person at a time. So you're in front of the whole class acting like an idiot or getting it right. And I got it wrong many times before it clicked, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I, I don't understand. Why is it? What, what is the difference between this rhythm? You know what I mean? Going all the questions. And he would go over it. And I'm like, it just kind of went over my head for a while. And then after a while, like, one time he called on me. And I just remember I got it. And I was like. Oh yeah, this is definitely this. And he, and everybody else said it was like B, right? And I said A. And then he was like, yeah, you're right. And he's like, tell everybody why it's A. And then I was like, and now all of a sudden, like, I'm almost like an, you know, like not an, I'm not an instructor, but now I'm teaching the rest of the class how I got it because no one else did. And I'm like showing, I'm like, oh, I, it's because of this, this, this. He goes, you got it. He's like, you're, you and got then, it. And then you realize, it. yeah, you, and you, and, and then tell me if I'm wrong. Then you realize that all that information you were taking in first, you're like, Jesus is freaking hard it's like how am i going to even though if i get a lot of this how am i going to put it all together yeah you know how, how does this all or how does it all link together you know it's kind of like playing guitar you know you, you you're learning all these different scales whether it's you know pentatonic scales minor pentatonic scales major scales you know diatonic scales whatever and and you're like okay there's so many of these scales but how do they all link together and how am i going to link them all together where it actually sounds musical it's kind of the same way where it's like if you play an instrument like that, you're 
you're having that all of a sudden you have that one moment to where you're given a piece of information that then just unlocks the door where you can you can basically see the whole highway from that point on yeah and you see how it all connects together and then you realize that wow i've had all this hard information and it, and it just seemed like it was just you know coming from all ends and i didn't know how to connect it and then you actually see once you see how it all connects and how you can connect the dots how well damn that was a lot easier than i ever thought it would be how did i never not see that before yeah and then when you, you know? get in the field you do it so much obviously you put a lot of people on ekgs for most als calls almost every one of them um and then it gets the, at least it got to the point for me where you know like it, people who may not know this, whatever we, we used a life pack 15. Um, and it tells you what the rhythm is. Like the, the computer tells you what it thinks the rhythm is. Right. Or whatever. It, ha- it right. tells you that. Well, that doesn't mean it's right. It, it's pretty, you know, obviously it's more right than not, or they wouldn't put that feature on a life pack, but, but it got to the point where I would go to like dock in a boxes or urgent cares, right. Which are shitholes. And, and the, the doctor would freak out because the monitor said the, the, the bad words. Right. <laughs> and then, and then I'd hook him up. And I, first of all, I'd look at their strip that they pulled. So it shows me exactly what he was looking at when he made the decision. And then I'm looking at the strip that I'm holding in front of me that we just did. And they're identical. And there's also nothing wrong. You know what I mean? So that's why it was like, it was kind of neat that like, as you got better and, and more experienced in the system, you could read the, the, the 12 leads better than the doctors at the doctor box. Now the ER docs, totally different level because they deal with that all day long. You know, they're emergency room doctors. They're not... They, they, you know, that that's, they have a lot of cardiac patients that come in there all the time. You know what I mean? But it was like, really, I thought it was interesting. I not, well, not like in a cocky way, but it was just interesting to be like, yeah, dude, this isn't, you know, this isn't a heart attack. Look, where, yeah, where, tell like, me, please tell me on the street, where do you see a heart attack? And they're like, well, uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Well, it also goes to show you, especially uh, where, when you're especially going to telemetry courses, learning how to read telemetry you know, learning how to read an EKG or a 12 lead EKG and, and what, what's going on with the heart, what it's doing, um, what's possibly causing it. And, you know, that's where you first learn, at least, um, what I learned and then I try to teach people, this is where you hear the, the term treat the patient, not the monitor, meaning Amen. what, what you're seeing on the monitor, how does that compare to what is actually going on with the patient. For instance, if you have a patient, say, in a lethal rhythm such as, or could be looked at as a lethal rhythm, you know, say a, uh, you know, a uh, type 2 heart block, you know, okay, um, like a classic type 2. Sure. Um, you know, where immediately some patients would immediately want to, you know, possibly going, or a third degree heart block, we'll say their immediate reaction is, Oh, we need to pace. We need to pace the patient. It's like, okay, wait, hold, hold, slow down for a minute. What's going on with your patient? How do they look? How are they talking to you? What do their vital signs look like? How are they, you know, how are they dealing with what you're seeing on the monitor? Does what you're seeing on the monitor or do, do their, do, does their, you know, how they're acting, how their vital signs are, how, how are they compared to what you're seeing on the monitor? Yeah. And that's what you need to go by. Okay. Because if they're in a third degree heart block, but they're holding it well and all their vitals seem stable, are you going to want to pace them at that point to agitate them even more to when they're going to go downhill? Or are you going to want to more monitor them because everybody's different? They're holding it well. Everything else is spot on normal. You know, you need, then that's where you need to think about, okay, 
and when I say treat the patient, not the monitor, and Jason says the same thing, that's what we mean, okay? Because a lot of a lot of providers out there, even doctors, they'll go by what what they're seeing, you know, on the EKG, and it's like, oh, or they might not even read it, and they'll just go by what's what what, what the the EKG is labeled itself, you know, the machine labeled, it. right? Which is what they do there, and those are that's those are cookbook medics, or in that right. case, I guess cookbook doctors. But right. I'm not here to talk about doctors because they go to med school and stuff like that. But as far as paramedics, that's what I fight against. I do not want anybody that I ever talk to that wants to get an EMS to ever be a cookbook medic because that's worthless. You know, it's just worthless. You need to learn how to think. And that also, we're talking about the monitor, obviously, but that goes with anything. That goes with a blood pressure. That goes with uh, pulse ox. Like any of that stuff you're taking, right? And a heart rate, all that stuff. Like anything, anytime, any type of measurement you're doing on a patient, like so many times I've seen pe- people that, you know, they put the cuff, but there's blood pressure, right? They put, you know, the EMTs are hooking everything up, right? And they hit go or whatever. And, they, and it takes it. And it's some astronomically ridiculous blood pressure, you know, 177 over 102 or something, right? Well, before, before, we, before we get all excited, you know, that they have high blood pressure, right? And maybe there's other things going on because they're hooking up to monitor at that point. Before we get all excited, let, let's look at the patient. Do they look like they're just cool? They're acting normal. They're breathing normal. They're not agitated, like you said. And maybe... Yeah, the symptomatic, asymptomatic. Yeah, and, may, and maybe put it, put, you know, do it again. Maybe run it a second time. Maybe adjust the cuff. Maybe the cuff's not on right. Stuff like that. Because we, we've talked about this in a previous episode at my own doctor's office where they do that. They, they take a blood pressure on one of those automated machines. And if it's elevated, like a, a, I call them the ridiculous or retarded numbers, right? They just, they go like, oh, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, it's not. Can we, can we do it again? And then they'll do it again. And I'm like, there you go. You know, because maybe, I, maybe the patient's moving. Maybe they're bending their arm too. I mean, there's so many variances you have to look for. And also, like you said, vice versa too, about looking at your patient. I've also been on calls where I, I remember, walk, I remember uh, this was a guy that was tombstoning on the monitor, right? But I remember we walked into the house, a 45-year-old, I don't remember how old he was, white, white, uh, white male, 45 years old-ish, um, normal build, right? He was like, I don't know, 6'2", 200 pounds, 180, something like that. And we walked in there, and he was laying on, laying on his couch. No one else was home. He lives by himself. Laying on his couch, and he looked like death. He's talking and everything. He's alive right. and talking to us and stuff. And he called for chest pain, right? So we knew kind of what we were getting into. But when he walked in, obviously we don't have him on any, you know, I don't have him on the monitor. I don't have a blood pressure. And as soon as we walked in, we walked in with the fire crew. Happened, they happened to be, you know, at our station. So we all walked in together. And as soon as we walked in, I said, oh, shit, this is a real call. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, like the cot right, right in, like get the cot, like all this stuff. And the cot was at the door, but like, bring it in the house. Let's load this guy. You know, Hey, do you know my BMT is like, Hey, do you want to, um, do the blah, blah, blah pressure or whatever? I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that right now. Let's get him in the unit. You know what I mean? And then we got him in the unit and put him on all the stuff. And then he was tombstoning and then, you know, all this other stuff. So he, you know, he, and then we got, ended up taking him to the cath lab right away. But I mean, that was someone that I didn't even have to put him on the monitor. I don't know if I would have known he was tombstoning or not, but I would have, you know what I mean? Like you knew that was a real call. So it kind of goes both ways. Like. That's where you definitely see the patient. You look at him or her and, or, you know, and you just say like, oh shit, you know what I mean? This is real. Thoughts? No, absolutely. Um, it's the same thing, like for another example would be, uh, say a, a patient that's an SVT. You know, they're in a rapid atrial rhythm to where it's going to be, you know, when it's in like... SVT, PSVT range would be 150 beats and above. Okay. Right. But if you, you know, and, and two of the um, remedies for that, if you will, are one, which is the drug adenosine 
or two cardio version, which is you're using electricity to try to reset the heart. You're not defibrillating them with just a sudden jolt. It's actually coordinating with the QRS complex of the beat and then delivering the electricity, the electricity accordingly. It's going to follow the rhythm. And, um, it's more of a calculated juice of electricity, if you will. Um, in an um, attempt to reset I, the heart. That's what you're trying to do. With sure. Yeah. Like, for instance, in patients I've had before where, it, you know, I've run for someone who feels like, you know, they're for uh, chest discomfort, you know, and you get on the scene and they're not having discomfort. They just feel like that their their heart's beating too fast, but otherwise they feel okay. So you get there and you see that they have a heart rate of, say, 170 beats a minute, you know, well in range of SVT. Okay. Now, the patient's blood pressure is fine. They're breathing fine. Their O2 sats are fine. Um, blood sugar is fine. Um, you know, are you going to want to possibly try to get that heart rate down, say, with trying to get them slow it, to slow it down with vagal maneuvers, which would be like blowing on their thumb or like bearing down like they're going to the bathroom? Or then the next move would be drugs, or would you want to go straight into electricity? Now, if I rolled up on the scene and their blood pressure was in the toilet, they had a heart rate of 170, their SATs were in the toilet, and they were breathing, like, rapidly. Yeah, they're symptomatic, which means I would most likely want to go to the electricity route yeah, because they are symptomatic. Right, right, right. Now, they are asymptomatic, you know, in a situation like that. Still, the heart rate's up. They're ticking that fast, and it's most likely it's going to get faster. And, you know, as you, as you and I both well know that, if that keeps going that way and it keeps rising, it's it's not going to be able to, you know, last very long going that fast. Yeah, well, your body yeah. can't perfuse anything that fast. Right, and sooner or later they will become asymptomatic. Right. So, but the route to take at that time, since they are asymptomatic and they're they're they don't have any symptoms yet, meaning they're they're not hemodynamically challenged or whatnot. I'm going to go to try to manually take it down, bring that heart rate down by which we call vagal maneuvers, which would be like bear down like you're going to the bathroom. Just don't. Just kind of hold your breath and push. Which yeah, it's almost like what pilots that, have to do to fight the G-forces and stuff. Right. You'll get that vagal response to try to bring that heart rate down. And if that doesn't work, we go to a drug which is called, you know, adenosine, which will chemically try to reset the rate. That is, and, That was one of my favorite drugs to give. Oh, yeah, because it, it not only that, but it has such a short half-life to where – you know, after six seconds, it's done. Yeah. Have you ever, Which is um, why you got to slam it fast and you have to get it, establish an IV closest to the heart, which in most patients is going to be, you know, the left you know, arm the cubicle yeah. and yeah. on the left, left AC. That, that's but, what I was uh, going to say. I had to do, I remember I had a, a patient where it's a 16 year old uh, male, 16 year old kid. He was at an urgent care. They were right. completely worthless. Um, his heart rate was like 200 or something. It was high. And, and he was like having a little bit of difficulty breathing, but all in all, he was pretty good. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't like, you know, I didn't think he was having anything massive going on, but, but we did the, try the vagal maneuver that didn't do anything. So we went, ended up doing with the denizen on him and with him, I don't remember why, I don't remember what was going on, but for whatever reason we could, uh, the IV that we could establish was only in his right arm. It wasn't his left arm. Obviously right. you want to do left arm. All the other ones I ever did with the denizen were always left arm, but this one was right arm. And, and you always, you know, you push it, you slam it, like you said. And then, uh, and then I remember that, you know, there's always that pucker factor when you give a denizen because, like you said, you're when the heart is resetting, you're technically flatlining them for a second or two, right? Um, if you look on the monitor, well, you know, they're going to be on the monitor, of course, when you're doing this. You can actually see them like, doot, 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 and they're like flatline, 
for maybe a beat, maybe two beats, and then it'll and start kicking back up, right? And with him, it was like nothing happened, <laughs> and, right. and and then and then there was a long delay, and then we're like, all right, dude, you're gonna be fine. Just breathe. You know, you know, I don't know what your take was. For me, when I was a medic, I never told anybody that we're giving you a med that stops your heart for a brief no. amount, and and ninety nine percent of the time will make you just reset and you'll be fine. Like you just tell me this, this might feel weird. Yeah. For you're going to feel really weird. And it's then it's only going to last a couple seconds. Yeah. And then, and then with him, I did it and I told him all that same stuff and he was a you know young kid and he was cool. And, uh, and we did it on him and then, and then, uh, and then, you know, nothing happened. And he's like, oh, I was like, you feel anything yet? He's like, no, no. And then all the Met fire guys were like all in the back of the truck with us. Cause they were on the scene with us too. And they're like, they knew what we were doing, but between all of them, they're just like, dude, watch this, watch this. You know what I mean? And, and then, cause they knew what drug we were pushing. And, uh, and then you just see him and all of a sudden, like maybe, I don't know, we'll say 20 seconds later. I, I don't remember, you know, like all of a sudden he goes, Oh, I don't feel good. And then we're like, okay, just breathe. You're fine. You're fine. And then you watch it on the monitor where, you know, it happened. And then of course he converted and he was medically and he was uh, medication wise and he was fine after that. And then we brought him to the hospital and not, you know, he was fine when we dropped him off. But, but it was like one of those, that, that was like, that's always like the biggest pucker factor thing when you do that and you see that, I don't know. It's just one of my, one of my favorite drugs. Oh, we well, can get. saw like an, uh, uh, right away at the effect, you know? Right. And, and you, you have in most jurisdictions, you'll have three, if you go the chemical route, which is, um, you know, what you like say with a patient like that, when they're, they're asymptomatic, you're going to want to start, you're going to try treat that situation with the, you know, the least, you know, amount of irritation as possible, which is that, yeah. not electricity not yeah bagel then medicine and then yeah, yeah worst case scenario. right yeah. and have you ever you had know, to do have you because we it was uh i believe the dose quote me if i'm wrong here or correct me i mean uh six twelve twelve right right okay have you ever had to do more than six in your career yeah yeah no, i've never i've um, always done it but six. most of the time most of the time i've always lucked out to where i've reboot them which is six okay yeah it's, i've never had it not reboot at six so i was always wondering i've never because yeah, when it does, and, and you know as well as I, it, it, if if it doesn't, because like we said before, this is a drug that for you know for more of simple purposes, how to explain it, it's basically a drug that chemically reboot or reboots the heart, reboots. You know, it's going to basically just kind of hit that on off button and turn it back on. If that makes sense. Right. It's your control Chemically. alt delete button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're, and you're, you're trying to, and the goal is you want to bring that heart rate down. So you're going to reboot the heart and try and So it'll start back up at a normal, normal rhythm. And you're going to start off like Jason said, with six milligrams of this drug, which is a, has a short half life about six seconds, which means it needs to be pushed fast because after that, that lifespan, it's, it's, it's done. It's, it's dead in the water and, it, and they're, but that's also the beauty of it too, because you know, Basically, six seconds. You know, it's not like it's going to be something that's long acting. Well, and that's that's but, what's funny because when I did that guy in the in the in the right arm, and obviously it was more than six seconds before it got to him. So obviously it was right, right, it right. was lower. It wasn't you know he wasn't actually getting the full six milligrams because it half lifed itself or whatever, right? But but it was funny because I was talking to the doctor later at the hospital after we dropped him off and did all that crap, and I'm dropping off my report, and I'm talking to the doc that was in charge of that patient. I was like. Yeah, that was a pucker factor, man. I was like, I, I, you know, we couldn't get access in his left arm, his left side. We couldn't get anything there. So I went to his right and great, great vein. Everything was cool, right? And I felt good with that vein. So we slammed it and he goes, oh yeah, that was a pucker factor, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah. He's like, he's like, I was like, yeah, I know we're really not supposed to do the left. He's like, hey man, you do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Like if you can't get something on this, you get it on the, I mean, 
the right side's better than no side, right? So, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I bet that was, a, you know, I bet that, sh- you know, shit your pants a little bit there. I was like, yeah, a little bit, because it, you know, nothing was happening, and then all of a sudden it happened, though. So. Oh, yeah, and that's, that, and, and the, um, this is where the way I used to try to teach was keep it simple, or use the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid, because <laughs> that is going to be, if you really look at it, it isn't that difficult. Yes, you've got all this information thrown at you, but once you learn how to connect the dots, it's it's all common sense. Okay, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you if you had a uh, patient that had a broken arm, okay, and it's angulated as hell, it's almost piercing through the skin, but they are in zero pain. And you go to me, so you're not in any pain. They've got, you know, they still have good distal pulses and whatnot, but they're not in any pain. It's like, no. Are you going to want to, since they're not in any pain, even though they have that nasty and angulated of a fracture, are you going to give them pain meds or not? What makes the most sense? Yeah, I, not I, I, would pain, hold, I would hold off. I'd be ready to give meds give it to if things change because yeah. they're probably, you know, going through some shock at some some level there. Um, but I'd be ready to. But, yeah, I wouldn't give them anything at that point. I'd just, you know. You know and that's what we mean by when we say. go to the hospital. Treat the patient. Don't treat the symptom necessarily, meaning that it, everybody's different. Different situations are are completely different from from others. Yeah, you know, we could have the same. You know, like I was saying before, do, dealing back with the, you know, rapid heart rate, uh, heart rate over one hundred and seventy. You know, it could be it go if it went like I said, if I rolled up on the scene and the person was completely symptomatic with, like I said, a blood pressure in the toilet. You know, the respirations were off. You know, they're they're just going downhill. Yes, then you're going to go to the most drastic, fastest, you know, treatment possible, which at that point would be electricity. So when I would teach them this, because because a lot of times, especially in the beginning when they're still learning, you know, students would be they would they would be well. I'm still confused of like I don't know when. It's like all right, okay. I want you to draw a line, and that line is the equator. Okay, on one side of that line is going to be symptomatic on the other is going to be asymptomatic okay you roll up in the scene you have this rhythm or you have this situation okay what's the first thing you're going to do well i'm going to look at my patient i'm going to talk to my patient i'm going to get a set of vital signs okay how does that look okay and how that patient is doing physically in your presence is most likely how you're going to treat that situation you know you're not going to treat necessarily the rhythm the same way as you would if they were completely fine compared to if they were in the shitter. Right. And that's, that's what's sometimes hard for new students to grasp or it, it's, but it really comes down to common sense. Well, so it also we comes, say, we say treat the patient, not the monitor. That's exactly what we're talking about. And it also comes down in my opinion, this is what I taught all my, my medics that I, you know, new medics that I worked with and stuff like that as they were now getting released, they're released or whatever, but I'm in the field, they're released, they're done with their training, but they still don't know what the fuck they're doing, right? They're still scared. Everybody been through that, and I would just sure. tell, and I would just tell them like, look, you know, obviously at the beginning I'm going to be in the back with you because a lot of times they gave us a third like a driver, and so I'll be in the back with you. I'm not going to do shit. I'm going to be your bitch in the back. You're, I'm going to do only what you tell me to. But you know, obviously if you're going to kill the patient, I'm going to step in before that happens. Um, but a lot of times I told them too. I was like, hey man, you know, they'd be we'd be you know going over the call after the, we're done, and they're like, hey, what do you think about that? And I was like, what I did there, you know, this situation. And I was like, okay, well that's cool. I would have done it differently, 
but you did it this way. And I was like, and then he's like, okay, so I did it wrong. I'm like, no, I didn't say you did it wrong. Can you justify why you did it? And he would be like, yeah, I justified it because of this, this, this. I'm like, okay, cool. Did you drop them off at the ER? Were they still alive? Yeah. Did you tell the doctor everything you did? Yeah. Did the doctor smack your pee-pee? No. Okay, you're fine. You know what I mean? Because there are going to be times when you're going to have to, you know, we've talked about this on another podcast, but there are going to be times when you're going to have to think outside the box. There are going to th- be times when you might have to go into the gray area for protocols, you know, or maybe make a decision that, you know, it's just going to happen. It, 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 nothing is And perfect. those are things that are not taught. Those yeah, are no, things yeah. you learn by it's not, and that, That's why I say don't be a cookbook medic because a cookbook right. medic is going to go, okay, here, I came to this fork in the road. Do I pick A or B? I'm going to pick A. And then they're like, well, only C's available. And then the, the, your protocol only says A and B, but C is the only one there. And now you're like, fuck, you know, like, I need another medic here. I need another medic. And you're like, no, you don't. Just figure it out. Like, go through the steps, you know? Because my big thing that I learned, like, early on in EMS, um, where I worked, because we worked in an area where, you know, just like you, where we had hospitals fairly close. Um, most of the time, right. we'd be within 15 minutes max. You, most of the time, be like five minutes. But, but, you know, so you don't have that long with these patients. But I also had learned a long time ago, too, that do what you need to do. Justify it. Write down what, you know, don't lie about anything. Tell them what exactly what you did on the call in your report and stuff like that. Tell the doctor exactly what you did. Justify why you did it. And 99.9% of the time, you're fine. The doctors will back you up because they understand. They understand right. that when they're in an ER, they go into a room. They're the doctor in charge of the patient in the trauma room, right? There's 17 nurses in there. There's 400 techs in there. And that's totally different than the scene that we're in there in a sterile environment. You know, we're in scenes where people are in cars and they're trapped and whatever, right? And all this different stuff. And we have to lug them out of a house and all this different. So it's totally different. Same thing, but different field, you know, and they respect that. And that's something I learned early on with my, with my, and I taught to my other providers, you know, I was like, okay, can you justify it? Cool. You know, good. Roll on. Right. For, for example, like my, um, my old partner, it was a, and not to get into a war, sorry, I'm just using this as an example. It got, it got to a certain it was a certain call or, you know, of course this was the type of call that went out at like between midnight and two o'clock in the morning. It was a, uh, went out as a, uh, just as a car, an, an overturn, you know, and, uh, and it's at one of the usual spots. Every jurisdiction has a usual spot where more accidents happen than anywhere else. Right. This one just happens to be near a, uh, going over a bridge near a uh, water treatment facility. And, uh, it was a situation where, um, you know, of course the cops are on scene, the vehicles overturned, the guy is out of the car and there's a gun on scene. So basically what happened was it seemed like he, he got into a wreck, he got out and then he shot himself in the head or he shot himself somewhere in the neck or in the head or whatnot. But there, it was a situation where, um, my old partner couldn't secure the airway by, you know, by tubing, Yeah, you know, because of the trauma. So, you know, he had no choice. He had to do a surgical trach. And, you know, at that point, it's like you were talking about, Jason, it's a judgment call. You don't have fucking time a lot of times to, well, I need a call to do this for orders. No, you don't have time. This is where it's like, okay, this is completely justifiable. You know, you're not going to be able to secure this airway with a tube, which they need because of the trauma that happened from the accident to the neck or to the gunshot wound, whatever. So you're going to have to go lower and you're going to have to go into the trach and you're going to have to surgically, you know, trach this person or crike. And um, that's what he did. And he did a fucking fantastic job. But that's a situation where, of course, when it comes to QA, QI 
standards where, you know, when you get the armchair warriors that are overviewing a lot of these reports and they try to pass judgment after the fact that weren't there, you know, that try to, well, he should, should have called for it. It's like, you don't have time because you weren't there. Yeah. Okay. And this is a situation where he did a fucking bang up job. He, you know, he secured that area. We did a beautiful surgical trach to where even the, the, the trauma physicians were just like, dude, that's fucking, you did a textbook job, man. You know, and that's a perfect example of, like you said, you have justification. If you, you know, you are confident in what you did and you write it up telling the doc exactly what you did, tell them and then write your report the exact same way, you're not going to have a problem. You know? Yeah. Well, it's funny. And that's one of those gray areas where when it comes to protocols, like there's, there's certain, uh, you know, there's certain barriers in certain protocols where it's it's kind of a gray area. Well, should you call for you know for orders for this or not? It's like no, that's gonna you're gonna there's gonna be times in your career where it's gonna be a judgment call, but if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're justified, most likely you're gonna have to do it and answer for it later. Yeah, you know, or 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 do it and ask for permission later because ask for you don't have yeah. time. Yeah, you know, because it's like if you Look at how long it takes in most jurisdictions you get on the horn, whether it's like if you call your medical command on a cell phone or a lot of jurisdictions use a radio, you know, there's a lot of time that's passing within that moment where, you know, at that point, time is muscle. You don't have fucking time, you know, and that is a judgment call that a lot of people are going to find in their career. They're going to have to make on the fly, but if it's justified and you can completely justify it then fucking do it. Well, it's like, yeah, in our, in our jurisdiction, that is my opinion. We had a, um, uh, one of my you know partners, he was in my recruit school and everything. He was an eye, just like I was at the time when I started. And, um, uh, eyes that are at that time, that was one of the things that only a P could do would be a, a crike. Right. And he went on a call. It was an allergic reaction and the person's airway was sh- shutting off. Right. Right. Like it was a real allergic reaction, not like a dumb thing. And he, uh, couldn't get a tube in, right. He needed a tube him. And he couldn't get the tube down because everything was swelling in the tongue and all that stuff. And he uh, called med control. Our med control was via radio. We had a r- fairly rather quick response. I mean, we called. If we asked for med control, they were usually there within a minute, no more, low longer, because the dock box was like right next to the communications part. But anyway, he called and explained the situation and said, I want permission to crike. And he was in, he was in I to P school at that time. He was an I, but he was an I to P school. He was a released I, right? But he's not a paramedic. He's only in school. And the doctor asked him, Do you know, have you done it before? He said, uh, yeah, I've done it a couple times on a dummy or on a pig or whatever, right? And, and then he was like, you know, the pig trachea. And he was like, do you feel confident? He's like, yeah. He's like, go for it. And they had to do it in the field like that. They did not have a scalpel in the thing. I, I think I told you this story a long time ago, but the OB kit wasn't there or the OB kit was missing a scalpel or whatever it was. I don't remember the whole drama. I wasn't on the call, but I, we all heard about it, of course. And who he, has the smallest knife? Yeah, that's what it was. So he, who has a small knife? And one of the firefighters had like a buck knife thing that was rather small. And that's what he tried to do it with. Now, when he, they, you know, of course they transported the hospital, right? They, the lady died. Okay. The patient unfortunately passed away. They couldn't establish the airway through all this stuff. Um, so of course the county, because we, we had a lot of idiots that ran our county, right? That were like not, they were medics only by name only. They didn't really know what they were doing. Like kind of like what we talked right. about earlier. So they were up in arms. Okay. You know, like this is ridiculous. That's not in your protocols, all this crap. Right. 
And, and then he was telling us about it in medic class because we're still in medic class. He's still employed while they're deciding what they're doing, all this stuff. And he was like, what do you think? Because, you know, he respected me and stuff and along with other people he asked. But he was like, what do you think? I said, I think you're a fucking hero, dude, because you tried to do something, you know. And you saved that patient's life. No one would be bitching. But, and you got permission. And the patient, yeah, and you got permission. And the patient was going to be, if you did nothing, the patient's going to die. You tried to do something. Patient, unfortunately, still died, but whatever. So... They ended up getting to that level. Then the state started getting involved to look at certs and stuff like that and see if it was legal. And that's what saved him as he did ask med control. He, of course, documented who the doctor was. We used numbers and he documented all that in the report. And it's just funny because everybody made an uproar about it for a while, you know, but here this kid is like going to a situation, knows what he needs to do. Mm, maybe shouldn't have done it depending on which side of the fence you're on. Right. But he, he put his balls online and he tried something. Right. And then when he got to the hospital, of course, the MEs happened to be there, not for that person, but for another patient, the ME was there. The ME had heard about all this stuff and, and had heard about the call and all this stuff. Cause it, you know, you're on a radio. So people in the ER can hear everything. And, yeah. and, and, uh, he comes over to me, he goes, you all right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, it's a lot tougher to cut into that than you think. isn't it, he's like, yeah, it's no joke. And the ME was like, Hey man, good job. You know, well, I mean, that and you, you try, make, that's all you can do yeah. is try and you can justify and you got doctor's permission. So ended up, nothing happened. He's still deployed. Even our fire, our fire chief, I will give our fire chief at that time. Uh, he was, I didn't care for the fire chief very much, but the one thing he did say is he said, yeah, after all that, everybody's deliberating and the EMS, some people are getting rowdy, right. And they're talking about firing him and all this stuff. The chief just looked at everybody and goes, that's what I want at my house. Exactly. You know and that, mean? and that is what, um, and let me make myself crystal clear. When I said what I said about just fucking do it, okay, what I meant by that, I don't mean to deviate against your protocols no matter what it is. You know, go, most likely you're going to have to go by what your protocols say, okay? My point and Jason's point in this whole conversation is you're, there's going to come a time if you work in this field long enough where you're going to run into a situation that's a complete gray area, you know, and you don't have necessarily the time to do it exactly by the book or by the protocol, okay, to where that's where you're going to have sometimes, and it's, it's all going to depend on what you're comfortable with, you know, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what necessarily I would do, but that doesn't right. mean it's the right thing for you. I'm just saying you're, there's going to come a time where you're going to be in a situation where it's a completely gray area, and you're going to have to make a judgment call. Because you have that small of a window with a small amount of time, such as this situation, to get like the crike, to get something done and accomplished it, you know, because we're talking about, you know, you're holding someone's life in the balance in your hands. Um, and um, you're going to have to figure it out and you're going to have to make that judgment call and you're going to have to be okay with it. Yeah, okay. that was that was actually one of the um, it was funny because later on in my career, you know, as I was getting ready to get out of there and stuff like that, I was talking to at that our new she was not there at the time, but she was our what we called uh, EMS one. She was the head of the EMS side. Right. And right. Uh, and we were talking and she came. I came into her office. I don't remember. I had to get some supplies or something. I don't remember. Um, and I known her for years and years and years and way before I even worked at that county. And and uh, she was talking to me and she asked me a question about some new protocol about something. And, and, uh, that they were talking about implementing their, you know, and she asked my permission or my uh, opinion of it. And I said, Oh, it fucking sucks. Like this is, you, you should do it this way. And I, you know, explained that my, my, my interpretation of what I felt it should be. Right. And she goes, 
And she was like, that's what I love about you. And I was like, what? And she goes, I asked you what you thought. You gave me your, your opinion, which is your opinion, right? Everybody has an opinion. But then you also justified and explained why your way is better than this other way. And, you're, and now it's all your opinion still, but you justified, you know, with, with backing, like this is from your experience level, this is why you do this. This is not, you don't, you know what I mean? And she like really appreciated that because there were a lot of medics in our jurisdiction that got pumped through courses. You know, hey, we need more medics, pump them through, pump them through. And unfortunately for some of those providers, you had people that maybe didn't really want to be medics, but they kind of got forced into it. Sort right. of, sort of, you know what I mean? Like, they Which a lot of people are when it comes to departments, because that's like we've talked about on prior podcasts. That's sometimes the only way they can advance and get promoted. Right. And then, you, but that's also where you run into problems. Now, and now, like I said, we've said this a million times before, cookbook yeah. medics can run 85, 90% of the calls. Okay. Without any issues. Like, cause it's just a lot of stuff is like. And then I go down here and they say yes or no. It's like a choose your own adventure. And then they do this and they said this. So now I do this. And a lot of them are like that. A lot of calls are like that. Not, not saying they're not, but the 10% of the calls. And what he means by cookbook. Yeah. What he means, sorry, Jason. No, what what he means by cookbook is they're following the recipe, but they don't necessarily completely understand why they're following the recipe, but they know exactly how to follow the recipe. Yeah. Or like what you said, as like, far as treatment like goes. You, you, you might not. The recipe might tell you to, like, for instance, on some of them, might tell you to, to cardiovert. But maybe you don't really need to. Maybe you could try these other options. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's all opinionated, right? Um, and they don't understand some of that. And I've seen in our jurisdiction, in my experience, um, where some of those medics would get on, like, you know, weird calls. I'll call them weird, okay? And they, and, and, and they would be screaming for another medic to come. You know, and because they're right. because they're, their brain's overloaded at the time, right? And I'm not knocking them because we've all been there at some point. But but they're but it's like yeah, because you don't really know. You're not you you took this you took this pro, not a promotion, but you took this class to possibly get a promotion or whatever for your career advancement, not because you really like EMS, so you didn't put the time into actual learning why you're doing what you're doing. And this is then that's what happens. And then sometimes that obviously can be at detriment to the patient too if it's done in a horrible scene and you can't get someone else there. You know what I mean? Right. And that's a good segue into going from this end of the pendulum when it swings that way. And then when it swings all the way to the other end, when you've been in this line of work for a long time, you've had a lot of experience, you've done a lot of things. And one of the things that, and I'm also speaking for myself when I say this is Another bad area to get into in this line of work is if you get complacent. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you're, you've done the job for such a long time. You've seen so much stuff and you, you have a lot of experience, but sometimes a lot of that experience clouds your judgment sometimes. Meaning that, for example, um, and I'll use another call as an example. We had a, had a, it was a call. It's like one of the first of the day we get called to an office building and it's this guy who's having, uh, uh, just a little bit of lower back pain that just kind of, you know, just kind of radiates down his, uh, his left leg. Okay. You know, what's the first thing you think? Well, this guy probably and he's an older gentleman he's probably not older but he's probably like you know he's uh is you know mid to late 60s 
And, um, you know, the first thing you think of is, well, you know, he's probably, he's probably tweaked his back and he's got a little, yeah. he's got some, some nerve issues going down. His yeah. I was going with sciatica. sciatica. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and, and you, you, that's one of the first things you think about. Okay. And of course, you know, one of the first things sometimes you'll do is you'll try to, well, this, this is what's going on. He probably, he's been sitting at his desk all day. He's older. He's, you know, he had a long weekend where he lifted some boxes and he's probably has some residual after the fact from doing all that. And his, he's got his lower back hurts, which is pinching a nerve, which is causing, you know, the sciatica in his, his left leg, you know, but then, uh, when he starts saying, and you know, it's easy to go down that pathway to just call it as that, but that's where you still need to do a complete workup because if you dig in a little further, you might find something else. Like for instance, we found that he was just like, Oh, well, you know, it's like, uh, my, my left shoulder was kind of bothering me. And, and, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I just, you know, in my abdomen too, a little bit. And it's like, okay. So we end up just like, just for shits and grins. It's like, well, let's run you to the ER just to, you know, basically just, you know, we check them out. Everything seems to be fine except for this. Let's, 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 take you to the ER just so they can just be better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. You was bad yeah. enough. You called 911. So let's, right. let's finish the job. Yeah. Right. And before we finish the report, they are getting ready to fly this guy out of the ER to a major cardiovascular center. And it's like, well, what the fuck's going on? And when he, when they were doing chest x-ray, and doing some other x-rays, you know, dealing with his back and whatnot, they caught, you know, they caught a mask just on the top of the x-ray by accident, which then they went ahead and they did like a, a CT and come to find out this guy had a, a massive AAA that wow. was starting to dissect. I mean, horribly. Yeah. And if we, and if you, and this is when I say you get complacent to seeing certain things and you just automatically think, well, that's all this is because everything else looks fine. And a lot of times you just don't know. And that's a perfect example is imagine if that guy signed off on a refusal and went about his day throughout that day is most likely that aneurysm would have burst and he would have bled out and he would have died. Yeah. Well that, that's like, that's what killed John Ritter from three's company. Exactly. Yeah. Like, cause that, that a lot of people, you know, didn't understand that or whatever. I mean, the medical people did, but like, that's the type of injury. If you have a, a, a triple a, like first thing, seconds, yeah, you have, you have to be on the t operating table open. Like they've already cut you open and then they might have a chance to save you might. If it happens like while they're in there doing something else and they notice it, they might have a chance, but otherwise, yeah, you're done. Like they can I've only, I've only had one situation where, and this was a situation where there's no way this person would have been able to survive. Yeah. Um, and we were farther out from the hospital. We were trying to get like by, you know, too long and his, the aneurysm decided to pop while we were in route. And, you know, just by the luck of the draw to tell him we were like, we were still like, we were still like three to five minutes out. It's like, there's no way this guy's going to fucking make it. Right. And because uh, you're just bleeding out in front of your face, internal, internally, yeah, Nothing and um, about it. right, and um, you know, because we're talking about aneurysm in your main 
artery that facilitates all the branch off arteries. And um, it popped and he, we let, we let the uh, oncoming ER know, look, this is what's going on. You know, it, we're losing, you know, distal pulses, you know, we're, you know, this is what we're doing. We're doing, you know, A, B, C, and D. And just in that short amount of time, they got an OR prepped, you know, before we got there. So he went straight into the OR. That's awesome. And as and even leaving there in Finch was like, there's no way this guy's going to make it. But by the grace of God, he made it. But he also cleared out the whole entire blood bank that was close by. Oh yeah. That's yeah. how much, that's how much, you know, I mean, he just, that was just one of those things where you're just like, how, how did he make it? And someone like say John Ritter didn't. And that's yeah. where it comes into play. Seconds count. Literally in a situation like that, seconds. Meaning when you call, because right when it happens, you let that e- on, oncoming, you know, that ER that you're coming into know this is what's going on. It's, you know, it's popped. He's bleeding out internally, prepping OR because that's he needs to go straight in. No fucking bullshit. Yeah. No, no. No, no stopping at no, registration. No, no middleman <laughs> going. He needs to go straight, you know, yeah. straight into the OR. And that's exactly what happened. Well, it's like that that patient I was talking about earlier on this episode where with the guy walked in, he was pale as shit and he, white guy and he was having, you know, the big one. Um, he, he, we end up finding out, you know, uh, later on, he, he had the widow maker. Right. And we, when we caught like the way our system worked, we hooked him up to a life pack 15, the life pack 15 automatically, um, you know, whatever does its EKG, right. Does a 12 lead for you. And then it automatically transmitted to our main hospital, the big one, the one that's the trauma center. Right. And then if you want right. to transmit to another hospital, like you're going to go to a secondary, that's fine. You just turn the dial, hit that one, and still going to fax it to the first one or whatever, but it's going to also do it to the second one at that point. Well, it automatically went to the one we were going to because I knew this was a real call, right? And yeah. it was so bad, and I already knew this because I saw it on the monitor, and I'm already doing all my stuff I'm supposed to be doing. The doctor actually called dispatch and had dispatch patch it through to me on the radio, and, and I'm talking to him like live, right? And he's like, you know what you got? I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, cool. What have you done? And I said, da 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 da. He's like, awesome. And I was like, he's like, how far out? I was like, ten minutes. We're hauling ass. And he's like, good. And I was like, let, keep me, let, let me know if anything changes. I'm like, all right, cool. And and then when we got, to, they came back to us. Dispatch came back to us later because I guess they he'd called back and they or the doctor had called dispatch again and said, hey, let them know they're going right to cath lab when they get here. Not don't stop. I mean, pull come in through the ER, but we're going straight to cath lab. And like literally, we we walked in skipped you know there was like a team there waiting for us a transport team to help us get through all the doors because you know you have security stuff and then we went right into cath lab and what we found out afterwards was they happened to at that time your golden hour you're supposed to get als calls als people like that are supposed to be you know seen within the hour we had him in cath lab cath done like he was completed they pulled the clot out in under 32 minutes because because we got him there quick we you know we everybody knew what was going on and then they got him in there and they happened to be working on another cath lab call, just whatever. I don't know if it was emergency or not. I have no idea who that patient was. And so the team was already there. Then it gives the team at our facility. They, they have to be within a certain range. They have to call them and they have to be there in 30 minutes, whatever. But they were already there in the room. So they just cleaned up the bed, restocked whatever they needed to restock. He came in. We just literally like, whoop, whoop. And then while I'm writing my report in another room, the doctor came out and he's like, yeah, we're done, dude. And he showed me like the clot. 
like that they pulled out and stuff like that. And I was like, fucking, I was like, God damn it. I'm not even done writing the report. You know what I mean? Like that's how fast that they were like a team. You know what I mean? And, um, and we saved his life. Cause that guy would have died for sure. A hundred percent. You alleviated the bullshit. Yeah. And we, and it was cool because the doctor knew and Those everybody knew extra it. seconds that can make. All yeah. The and I didn't have some like, re- not to knock him, but some registration lady be like, um, did you get his Medicare number or what? I, I don't fucking care what his number so is. Get the fuck out of you my have face. a date of birth. I, I don't Deal know. Deal with that later. Yeah. I don't care. His name's John Doe. Figure it out later. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of stuff. And it was just a great way to see the system actually work in that sense. Now I did want to do my opinion. Cause you, you kind of talked about yours. I don't know if I ever had, um, uh, complacency. Cause I, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I was perfect. That's not what I'm saying, but I always really enjoyed EMS and I always took, try to take things seriously, even though, you know, you goof off at the station, but when it's a call, I turned on a different light. You know what I mean? Um, sure. my thing for me, uh, was really knowing when to get out, um, to get, to get out of the business. Like when I got to the point where in my situation was a little different, I was in a fire department, um, and, and, and. It, my big thing was dealing with all the bullshit um, because we were run by you know, a, a fire department in most areas that are combo systems like that. The fire department runs everything. And I yeah. got annoyed with being an awesome medic, but then always having to deal with someone who's like either a medic, like you said, they just took the class so they could get a promotion or someone who's an EMT. Like, you know, I'm not saying they were always like trying to tell me what to do or anything like that. But the, yeah. it just got annoying. The bureaucratic bullshit, the fucking mother may I system, the, the um, good old boy network stuff that just got old after a while. You know, right. like we had, a, we I said this before, but we actually had a protocol where if I wanted to fly, if I'm a paramedic and I want to fly out a patient, but a battalion chief is on the scene and he or she is an EMT because they're a battalion chief, they can tell me what to do and they can say no. Yeah. And they, and my, my lieutenant at the time who sometimes acted as battalion chief, he's like, what would you do in that situation? If, if I told you no, but you said yes, I said, I'm calling the fucking helicopter. That's it. I'm going on the radio and tell him to get a helicopter. And if you, if you cause it not to come and the patient dies, that's on you. But I'm not, I'm not listening to that dumb. That's the dumbest policy I've ever heard. You know, I've been to the equivalent of two years of school to do this, not to mention all the experience I have. I'm not going to be told by someone who took a three month class. Not saying he was a bad person. This guy, he was cool as hell. But, but like, that, that's just a dumb policy. You know what I mean? So that, that's where I got kind of, and that was not, that's not what made me leave the department or anything like, but just all the bureaucratic bullshit, the, the, all that other stuff where I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done, you know? Well, that, that's a good point too, because uh, how you said, you know, knowing when to get out of the game. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, in six years, in six years, I will have 30 at where I work, you right. know, just, just my career, but, but I've been doing it, you know, by the time I get to 30 years at my job, I, I still would have been doing it a lot longer than that. Right. You know, um, I mean, I'm already, you know, at, uh, you know, 28 years total before I started working at my station where I'm at. Right. Uh, but you know, in six years, you know, that'll be 34 years total you know, 34 years, which is, you know, well over half of my life. Um, well, hopefully not. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, uh, it's, it's just, you know, for me, you know, I have noticed about myself is, um, 
yes, do I still take it seriously? Sure. But for me, if I get complacent, because, you know, you, you get, you see, like, you know how it is, Jason, you see some of the same stuff over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. But just because it looks like the same thing doesn't mean that it is, you know, there could be something else going on. And when you get, uh, especially if you get so used to seeing certain things and you've been right so many times in the past, there's could be that one time where you're wrong. And, um, it's kind of like, say, if you were an electrician and, you know, you've been doing that, you're a master electrician, you've been doing a job for a long time and, you know, you're so, you get to be to where you're so efficient at your job, you start to cut a little bit corners because you feel like, you know, you're experienced and you know how to cut corners. You know, but it's, there could be that one time where you cut the corner where you get shh, you know, you get freaking arced and, you know, yeah, ride the lightning. electrocuted. Yeah. And I, you know, I've seen that happen with, um, master electricians, you know, you get, you get so good at your job and so proficient that you also get complacent and maybe not realize it. And then that's where people get hurt. Well, it's like, and, yeah, I, uh, I actually did like, this was in high school or just out of high school, I guess my my summer of senior year of high school after high school was done, I worked as an electrical assistant or worked with right. a master electrician. And I yeah. remember going on calls, at, you know, we go to house calls, right? It was a place that did like normal electrical stuff for homes and stuff and residential stuff. And uh, we went to a house and we had to you know, put a fan in or a box in, or I don't remember what we were doing. But anyway, we had to cut off the breaker because we you know, obviously the house has power and someone lives there and all stuff, right? And I remember looking at the electrician, I was like, oh, you want me to go to the um, breaker box, you know, and turn off whatever the zone we were in, right? And he goes, nah. And he took the two wires. He had already, he'd already opened everything up and had the wires uncrimped and the two wires are there, right? And he just goes like this and he just tapped them together and they sparked. And right. he goes, there, it's tripped. <laughs> and that's what he did. And then, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's off now. Because he did, you know, and that, now, that's obviously probably not, I don't, I'm not an electrician. Um, that was only, I just worked there for a summer. But like, <laughs> that, I'm sure that's not up to their standards and their codes or whatever ethical stuff they're supposed to be doing. But he knew that do as I say, not as I do. Well, no, I, I mean, I'm not questioning him. I was, a, I was an <laughs> I idiot just out of high school. Um, I was just glad to have a cool job, you know? Um, but he just did that. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I was like, don't, don't you ever get like, can you ever get like shocked from that? Cause I, I mean, it scared the shit out of me when I saw it. Cause obviously I didn't expect it. And, and, um, he's like, ah, yeah, it's not, you'll get shocked. Sometimes you get little bites every once in a while. It's all right. And I was like, okay. You know, but that was like kind of that same sort of idea where he was probably a little com too complacent. Right, but also knew the, everything he was talking about. He was correct, probably, but not the way the safe way to do stuff. Well, and, and, and you you start to develop ways in certain situations. Anyway, not everything, but where you have seen certain pathways where you can cut corners, and you think that it's a safe way, but sometimes it's not. Um, and so when I say complacency, you know you you like i said before it was kind of like with the uh where if we hadn't have taken that guy the extra mile we wouldn't have picked up on that triple a yeah and he would have been dead he probably would have died that day. yeah if we yeah. automatically just zeroed in you know and i mean he could have been you know went and sat on the toilet and pushed a little too hard and that just popped that and that's it yeah. you know and um it's just things like that or if you're so um like one of the things i'm battling with right now i'm i'm, I'm crispy as hell I'm burnt. I'm, I'm at that point right now where, yeah, I, I have a, a good amount of burnout going on right now. Yeah. I've been there. Got two t-shirts from that. Right. And it's, you know, and, but at the same time, um, uh, I want to walk away with 30 years 
from my department. And, right. um, but, uh, will I get to that point? I don't know. I hope I do, but, uh, well, if you can get, uh, I mean, in, in, Hey, in my opinion, and this is just me speaking, just Jason speaking. I, I would not have, la- I'm just being honest. I would not have lasted an EMS. I was already like broken at that point by the time I was over. Cause I was just so the beat down of our retarded department. Right. But, but during COVID and all that nonsense that was going on. And you told me about all the nonsense about all this yeah. fucking, all this bullshit you had to do. I would have been out. Like I would, that would have flipped my switch. So my opinion is if you can get, if you, you obviously got through it cause you went through it and you're still employed and stuff. If you got through that, you can hang another six years or whatever, how many years you want to do, because that, that had to be atrocious. Like just the overreaction to everything had to be so annoying, you know? Well, and, and you still, as far as that's concerned, it's gotten a lot better, but you still see uh, certain people that are just so conditioned to like, uh, and I'll be the first to, I'll be the first to admit. I mean, the only time, the only time people should have listened to Dr. Fauci was when he first started talking during this whole situation. When he first said, why are you, why are people feeling like they have to wear masks? A mask is not going to do really anything for you. That is when he actually told the truth. Okay. Now, you know, then it was like he, from that, how did he go to like, Oh, you need a double and now triple masks. It's just like everything. Like I've said before, everything as far as PPE that you and I have been taught over the years was completely flipped upside down. Right. Well, that's every, yeah. everything that we were taught that was the correct way was completely the incorrect way. And it, it just got to the point where it was just nonsense. And, um, and to see people still like, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, I don't, I mean, I'm not the first to admit this, but I, for myself, I don't play those games anymore. Um, I don't wear a mask for anything. I don't wear masks in front of patients. The only time I wear a mask in front of patients is if like uh, it's a cancer patient that's going through severe chemo and their immune system is in the toilet, you know, where actually, you know, those little bit of germs and, and, and whatnot can definitely make a difference. Um, but when it comes to wearing a mask all the time, no. Um, the only time I will wear a mask is certain hospitals in my area. When I take patients to the ER, I will put the mask on before I go into the ER. But um, it's even getting to this to that point where I'm like, I'm not even going to do that anymore. I'm going to go in there without a mask. And if they ask, say, you need to put a mask on, I'm just going to be like, why? Why are we still doing this? Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to wear it anywhere else. Why in here? Right, right, right. What you does know? it matter if we're not wearing it the whole time in the truck and then we come in here and do it? We've already contaminated. Like, it's the dumbest thing. Yeah, it's all it's all right, fear mongering so bullshit. Right, and we, you and I have talked about that until we're blue in the face. I'm not going to get off on that bullshit. But I just, I just wanted to get you set up it, for a rant at the end. Yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, and one of the things I don't think is talked about enough is just since the vaccine came about, um, there's a lot of morticians and embalmers that have been embalming these bodies. And just since the vaccine came out and they're, they're finding so much of this, this clot material that they're flushing out, you know, from, from the bodies. Yeah. And it's just this unknown substance that does, but no one's talking about it. Why? That's important information that people need to know. And, um, 
it's happening. It's happening a lot. And um, just like it's not being addressed, how many athletes, and I think we've talked about how many athletes yeah, around the world one. are just dropping out? Well, so how many celebrities too? you see, you know, we talked about that last episode, but all these famous people that, you know, cause people pay attention to famous people for whatever reason that are dropping out. Yeah. Come on, start putting the, start putting it together, man. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean to offend anybody out there who I just, this is my opinion. I just think Hollywood needs to shut the fuck up and just do what you're, do your job, entertain. No one cares about your politics. I know, I know you care about your politics because you think that you're on a platform that you let like Alyssa Milano that, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. So I'm just gonna, it's just like, no one cares. It's just, no one cares. You know, and it, it's, it's like, I agree with what Kurt Russell says and what Mark Wahlberg says. I mean, Kurt Russell eloquently says, he's like, look, we're entertainers. And he said this on the view of all places, yeah. you know, so sure, that the, went over the, well, the, 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 the panel of, of, of people that need to shut the fuck up. Um, sorry for anybody out there that likes the view, but I think, you know what I'm talking about. Joy Behart. Um, it, you know, he said, he said it eloquently that, look, we're entertainers. Um, you know, that's our job. We should focus on that. You know, keep your politics to yourself. I mean, you have the right to speak your mind, but, you know, is that really the place? Y your job is to entertain, and that's what you do. Well, Focus anybody that listens that. to a celebrity to, to, to come up with their own opinions listens to a celebrity as their source is, you know, suspect. Well, or another, another good example is like Mark Wahlberg. You know, Mark Wahlberg's made statements, I mean, uh, similar to this, where he's made statements like, look, you know, some of these celebrities that are that are speaking out and you know giving their politics they they have no idea you know or they they're completely out of touch with the common person you know and, and the regular person lives and what their day to day problems are how they're putting food on the table so who the hell are they to just sit there and like you know try to give some sort of advice about how things need to be. It's like, you're an actor, you're, you're an entertainer, you're a musician, do what you, you know, keep your politics to yourself, you know, do what you're here to do. And, um, you know, just, I respect celebrities like that. And, you know, and I'm not quoting Mark Wahlberg word for word, but it's somewhere in that pathway of what he said. And he's absolutely correct. And, um, that's why I'm just like, I don't, I don't give a shit about, there's only certain movies I'll watch now. Like, uh, cause a lot of stuff out there is just crap. I don't care. You know, I don't like, I mean, it's even hard to, it's even hard to watch, you know, law and order SUV these days because of how freaking woke it's gotten. Yeah. I can't you stand know, that it, shit. It, I, it's, I, it's ridiculous. We talked, I, I, we talked about another episode where I talked to my daughter about that, about like pay attention. Now, do you notice like all this stuff and they have to have certain, you know, sexual orientation people and, you know, a lot of all this other stuff now and, and, and everybody's mixed raced and all this stuff, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that, but, but it's just like, they're making it like, like those things are all the, like the mass percentage, you know what I mean? And, and it's, and I was trying to explain to her with that, you know, like that's not how the world is necessarily not. It can be, right? but, and I'm not saying anything bad about it. If it is, that's not what I'm saying, but you know, like, do I think that, uh, do I think, uh, when I was a kid that, you know, like all the movies, all the big popular movies all had like just white guys in it or whatever. 
or white males and females in it, was that okay? No, obviously. But at the same time, now you can't go to the other extreme with stuff like that because it's not realistic, you know? Just stop, just, just, I don't know. I, it's a whole other subject, but it just pisses me off that we, we as a society now are like changing everything around and trying to be all woke for these different you know, different things going on in our society that are such a small percentage. I'm not saying they shouldn't have a voice, but we don't need to make it like just change the whole world because of it. That's, that's, and, and most of the people like you and I both know two people uh, that are trans and both of them have who, no problem. Who don't care about 99% of the stuff. Now I'm not saying they don't want rights and be allowed to, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to get all deep here on this, but they don't care about a lot of this other bullshit that the, no, the, the Hollywood people are trying to push and make all these narratives like, oh, we have to do this. and do That's not what they care about. They want to be themselves. They've decided that they want to you know, be what they feel they are. And they went ahead and they did that. And good on them. And no, no harm, no foul you know, for me to them doing it. I support it. Do whatever you well, want. It, you know? But, but they've, never said, they've never come to me and said like, oh, well, now I expect you know, da, 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 da. Like they've never done that other than if they change their name or something. That's fine. But, well, it, it just... There's, it's so hypocritical when it comes to certain instances too. And there's so many double standards, for example, and I don't, you know, this, this is going to be Bobby's rant for the day. And Bobby's what rants. I'm about, what I'm about to say, I don't, as I've said many a times before, like Jason just said, we have plenty of friends that are trans or, you know, or in the transition Hey, be you to be yourself, do what you want to do. As long as you're not hurting anybody, I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm, I just want you to be happy. But the problem is, is when it's your, when it's being forced down my throat 24 hours a day. Okay. I don't force my heterosexual, you know, my heterosexuality down your throat. 24 seven. If, if I did, people would get pissed off. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't force it. I'm a guy and you will address me as a guy. I, I, it's obvious that, you know, that, that that's how I carry myself. Well, and so, we, we know two trans people like transitioned people, right? Like correct. completed. Right. But there's a, t I didn't, I'm not talking about gay people. I know, I know a fuckload of gay people and, and like not one time, did I ever, you know, like you said, not one time did I ever like be like, well, that's dumb. You should like a girl or you should like a guy or whatever, right? Whatever their opposite would be of what they actually like. No, I don't give a fuck. Do what, do whatever you, whatever makes you happy in your own life, in your own bedroom and stuff like that. Knock yourself out. As long as you're not hurting anybody or hurting children, that's all I care about. You know what I mean? Like that's but it. Where it's starting to get, for lack of a better way of putting it, stupid is, for example, my brother-in-law, who is a retired Marine after 20 years, 20 years, sends me an article from New York Post, which the article is legitimate. And the article is about how the Marine Corps is getting rid of referring to senior officers or officers in general as sir or ma'am because of possible you know gender issues did you hear that oh. did you hear that on the podcast could you hear that could you hear that yeah that was my eyes rolling did you hear it yeah okay I, you know i'm 
when I, of course, when I first saw that, I'm like, it's got to be bullshit. But it's not. You know, and the thing I was really floored at, I mean, I think I was just floored that it was the Marine Corps that I saw that was the first branch I saw that that's what they were doing. I thought they would be the last. Yeah, so would I. You know, and um, I, I'm just like, due to, and it was due to, we're stop using, it's going to be abusing, referring to officers as sir or ma'am due to gender confusion. And I, I'm like, I, I got nothing, got no words. I, I just, <laughs> it's like, where, 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 where do you draw the line? You know, and, and I know of course, by me saying this, people are going to come across, they're going to say, oh, you're just, you're just a transphobe, you're a homophobe, or, or you're a white supremacist or you're, you're a white nationalist, which I, you know, I mean, I could turn the doorknob down the street now and be called a racist. It's ridiculous. You know, I'm not a racist. I know I'm not a racist. I mean, half my family's brown, you know, as long as I know I'm not a racist, I'm fine. And I think pretty much everybody else knows I'm not a racist too. But these are also issues that need to be addressed and need to be talked about because it's gotten that stupid. Yeah, we can't, like, that's my thing too, is like, because I'm not any of those things either, but I, I can't, I, I can't just pretend that what you're doing is normal and okay. Like not, not, not what you're doing, like your trans stuff, but like acting like we have to change everything. And like you just said with the Marine Corps and all this stuff, like I can't act like that is the way to handle any of this stuff because why, why do, why would you care? You know what I mean? That's my whole thing is like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. We went over this before. I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole anymore, but, but like, well, it's kind of hard not to because it keeps increasing by the day. Yeah. Well, they're just trying to, I mean, that's what. Right. This is all it, it, like leftist people like trying to push their thing, the extreme leftist people. Well, it's not only it's I think it's it's not only a left thing. It's it's a right thing too when it comes to certain aspects. I mean, uh I think it's an establishment thing. I, I, and what I mean by that, I'm talking about the establishment on both sides of the fence. Because I mean, as I've said before, I think that the dual party system is the problem. Um, I mean, at some point, are we just not going to talk? Is it going to be illegal to talk? Well, because, and that, because every word is offensive. Like that's not that we don't need to. That's ridiculous. Like right, use your brain cells. Of, yeah, some of the things that we've been saying on here, especially when we talk about you know the vaccine or COVID nineteen or or this, it's like it's in the back of your mind now that because it's happening all the time that you need to either speak in code, find other code words to refer to, like say. Like how we used, instead of you saying vaccine, we said the jab and stuff like that. In risk of being censored. Which, why? Why, why would we be censored for that? For, for certain key words? You know, that's not American. No, not I mean, that's, all. It's not freedom that's, of speech. That's... And it's not hate speech to... That's, that's totalitarianism. That's, you yeah. know, that's, that's, that's tyranny. I mean, but then of course the excuse is, "Well, when you're using, when you are, when you're on the platform, what's considered a private business, it's different." It's like, I can understand what you're saying, but it's still censorship, especially when those platforms are so big now; they're basically considered another utility, you know. And um, but it, it's just, I'll say one more thing, and let me ask you a question, brother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Say, for instance, I wanted to, I came to you and I'm like, tomorrow, I'm like, Jason, 
I uh, identify more with uh, African American. So I want to be treated as such, and you will treat me that way, and you will refer to me, and, and you know, my pronoun is African American or Black American. You know, what would your first reaction be? Well, my first reaction would be fine. Like, that's great. Okay. Uh, but then for me, nothing would change because I don't refer to you as white Bobby now. Like, like that does, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't, I don't refer to someone by their ethnicity ever. I, at least right. I've never have. So I don't care. I mean, I'm not saying when I say I don't care, I'm not saying I'm not like mean or anything like that, but like, like someone who's gay or whatever, or, or what, anything like that, or they're trans or they're, you know, when they want to do like, you know, stuff with ethnicity and stuff like races and stuff like that. Like, that's cool. That's fine. But I've never met someone that wants to be called like, I don't know, black Bobby like that. Who talks like that? Well, no, but, but say, well, let's, let's, let's take it a step further. Okay. When it like, say when it comes to, you know, gender fluid, trans and, you know, other pronouns that are, that are going around, you know, it comes down to certain rights that they want. Okay. Okay. Say I'm Bobby and I'm not Bobby. Whose family is half white and half Mexican anymore. I'm Bobby who wants to be referred to as African-American. Um, and I want the rights to go along with it because that's how I truly identify as. Okay. Now, what do you think would happen if I went to apply for a minor minority scholarship? How do you think I would be treated? Yeah, I say I went in person for an interview for this scholarship, you know, or some sort of in grant. the old days or now. Now, and now I think even even now, if I if I was like, you know, looking the way I do, right? But know, I, that's what I'm saying. Not, now, obviously, not African American. Um, and walked in there saying, "This is how I identify myself, and this is this, I want to apply for this this minority scholarship or for this grant or whatever." And the person on the other side of the desk was African American. How do you think they would take that? Would they be insulted? Uh, in this day and age, I would say no, because you you better be damn sure on something like that. Because if you get if you did something like that, like treated them or said they weren't, you know, in that situation that you're not African American, and you know you have to check Caucasian or whatever, um, and they and you found and they found out that later on they find out that you really are like, I don't know, half African American or a quarter. I mean, you imagine the backlash. Well, look, look at what happened with that. There's that woman. It was probably several years back who I think she was, uh, she worked, she was high up in the double NAACP and, um, yeah, wasn't that one Rogan was talking about like a long time ago? Yeah, she, she, uh, she, I guess she, she looked black, you know, she's a beautiful woman. She looked black, um, light skinned, but then they found out that she really wasn't. Yeah. Even and Rogan always said like, he's more black than she is. Yeah, or in literally, she, she that's from what it sounds like, that's how she truly identified herself, you know. And, um, and she darkened her skin and, and, you know, and her hair and, and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, she was 
when they when they found out that she really wasn't, she was like she was shunned as you know as an imposter or playing blackface or you right. know or or just just lying you know to just just like they treated her like a pariah and it's like why did they you know if that's how she truly if that's what she truly identified with or how she identified herself how is that any different than someone you know i brought that conversation to the table at work you know and of course you know when when it gets to some of the the ultra liberal people at work they they're like well it's different. I'm like, how is it different? It's like, well, it's like we're talking about race versus versus gender. It's like it, it doesn't matter. Both of you all are still defying natural biology. So how, you tell me, how is it different? When we're talking about what I identify as, how is that different? My only argument would be at when, when in history that happened and how the climate was then, okay, um, right. so like, where was all this, like, I identify as stuff as big then I don't remember exactly. So that would be one thing to take from it. The other thing to take from it for me would be if it like, let's say you do, a someone like that lady says she identified African-American and they do a, um, uh, what's it called? The, uh, they do the DNA test. Right. And they find out she is 0% African-American. Right. And, and it, it, if she, if she lied and said she's African-American, I have a problem with that. If she said she identified as African-American, that to me is a different thing. So that's where I, that's where I personally draw the line because if you're, if you're straight up lying, I mean, if you're 1%, then you can probably, as far as I'm concerned, you can say whatever you want. But, but if you're zero then, and you're lying, then that, that's suspect at best, in my opinion. But how many people, how many people um, that are... Uh, you know, females that identify as male or vice versa or, or transgender that fill out an application and they, they fill out the slot that they identify as say they're truly a male, but they're transitioning to be a female okay. or they still identify but you're, with a but female. But you're identifying but, if, if but, you're but, a male. But, you, but you're, are you still lying if you check that no, box? No, because that, because you're at that point, I still think this is a little, it's a little crazy, right? But, but this, at that this, that's point, the whole you are, point of me but, bringing this up. Yeah, yeah. At that point, though, at least you're being honest and you're saying, I'm identify, I identify, let's say it's a male. No, no, no. no. I'm not female. saying there's a spot that says you. I'm saying oh, it's male was. or female. No. I'm saying they identify, they check the box that says, say they're a male, but they identify as female, but they check the box that says female. To me, to me, now this is, this is me speaking because I've noticed like, uh, like I've gone to give blood recently, like, you know, whatever, last year or whatever. Um, and they actually have specific, like, it's not just gender. It's also, what do you want to be identified as? And there's other questions now that are added to the questionnaire stuff. Um, so to me, just a straight up gender question to me is a biological question because I come from a medical background. So I'm asking and, and blood, you're giving blood, they're doing needles and they're going inside your body and stuff to take blood. Like to me, that's a medical question. So I'm going to answer it as like, you know, what, what parts do you have? Right. Um, but that, you and I both know that that's not how the, I know that. No, I know that. I understand that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm that's, that, that's where it's kind of a gray area. I'm talking there, about but, a job application or, you know, insurance application, uh, you know, application for, uh, a university, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I would say in most places now, I, I would just imagine, again, I don't apply to, I haven't applied to job in forever. And, you know, I'm definitely way past university time. Um, I would imagine now they would have a, I don't even know if they call it gender anymore, but 
but maybe a gender question, you know, it's male or female. And then, and then a, what do you identify? I bet that's on there. I, I bet it is because just to, just well, to get away from lawsuits and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it, well, that's, it, it's just, a. There's just there's a lot of double standards and hypocrisy that 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 I see, and it's just that's that's one of the like I said, like I've said before, I don't care. You know, people need to be themselves. I have no problem with that. I don't like I said, I'm friends with all different types of people. You know, but when it comes down to like for instance, where do you draw the line with this? I'm going to give one more example. This kind of clarifies what I'm talking. I'm going to give the last last one. Okay, <laughs> say I'm. 18 years old, but I identify more as a 25 year old. Does that give me the right since that's my identity and that's how people are supposed to treat me now? Do I have the right to go buy alcohol? My, my thing would be no. Why not? Why are you discriminating against me? Why are you discriminating against how I see myself and my identity and what I identify with? Because that's not where the, lo the laws were made for that to Make sure okay, but you, we're also talking about kids in school that schools around where I live that are getting in trouble because schools have made rules or if you don't refer to these some of these kids by the pronouns that they want to be called, then you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, that's a fact. Well, I know I, I don't disagree with that's a fact. I wouldn't go to those schools. I'm not I'm not like I've said before, like, you know, my daughter, we've talked about that before where we've had. But these are public schools. No, I know. Well, my dogs are in public school, but like talking about that kind of stuff and, and friends and they did it. And like, what? well, you're not going to, you know, cause I was like, I'm not calling, I'm not changing pronouns for, I'm not changing the English language because of this little thing we're going through in America. But, and they're like, well, what would you call him? What would you call this person who is a, a female that identifies as a male? I'm like, I'd call them by their name. What, you know, like, I'm not going to say their name obviously, but let's say it's like Jen. Right. So, and, 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 but they identify as a male. I'm going to be like, right. you're, uh, Hey, is your friend Jen coming over? I don't need to use a pronoun. I'm not, I'm not playing that game. I'm not, I'm personally, and I'm not, you can judge me and say that that's wrong. Right. I don't really fucking care, but I'm not playing that game. I'm not disrespectful. I'm not going to make, you know, be disrespectful to him, but I'm not going to play the game. I'm just going to be like, Hey, well, Hey John. Hi John. How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you doing? Good. Well, okay, good to we'll see you, John. Example. Yeah. We use the example like we did. We were just talking about the military. Okay. And how kind of crazy it's getting as far as this particular topic in the military. Say I'm a 15 year old, you know, guy or girl. And I identify more with a 18 to 19 year old. And since I identify more with that age group and I expect other people to, to treat me as such, do I still have the right to go join the military since that's my identity, how I see myself? I would say the way our country is set up, absolutely not. That, that's my opinion. Because, but because, do you see what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, I, I certain mean, certain things right. are, certain things are okay, but others are not. But that's where I get it, into, that's where I get into fantasy. It's man. like, and it's and what I'm talking about. This is where it comes down to the double standards when it comes to basic biology. But that's where, like, look, dude, you, everybody in the United States, at least, I'm assuming everywhere, but, you have a birth certificate, right? We're not like you want to play with the, the, the different pronoun game and all that stuff. But great. Knock yourself out. A birth certificate is a date. It's a fact. It's not, Correct. it's not something that you can just pretend that you're older, you're younger. Like what are you going to do? See grandma's so now say they're 30. No, right. But that, well, in my opinion, like I said, cause from a medical background, if you have boy parts, you're a boy. If you have girl parts, you're a girl. Okay. 
that because uh, I come from a medical background, a very like just there's this there's a line, you right. know, and it's just your one side line or the other is not good or bad of anything. It's just what you are, right? So now, if you want to identify and you want to like I, you identify as like let's say you're a dude and you want to identify as a chick, and then you want to eventually like we have a couple friends that went and did the surgery, great, that's awesome. And at that point, then you get to that area where then maybe then they're I guess technically female at that point because they have the genitalia change. Right, but their date of birth didn't change. They were still born in whatever their date of birth was. So I, that stuff, when you're getting into that that crazy talk of like to me like that age stuff, like a 15 year old identifies 21 so they can get they can vote and get a, a gun and they can get beer and whatever. Like that's ridiculous. But the point the point is how you identify yourself. That's the point because you know you will use a birth birth certificate as an example. Okay. If you're asking me to, okay, I identify as a female and I need to be treated as such and you need to use the proper pronouns and that's being enforced everywhere. Okay, fine. Okay, but if you bring the birth the birth certificate, you know, example in the play like you just did, it also says in your birth certificate that you are a female, not a male. So how is that any different? You're defying the gender fact on the birth certificate, just like you're bending the rules of what the age and birth date is if you see yourself as a different age group. Well, I, but uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I wouldn't bend the rules. I'm not right. bending the rules. Like, I'm not but, doing but, that. Like, I'm not, but do you think, I'm do, you not think, getting in, do you think society should? No. Okay. I think they should. I, here's my thing. If you want to be called a chick, a dude, uh, John, Jonna, whatever, Jonah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of a girl's name off the top of my head. But like, I don't give a fuck. That's fine. I, whatever fantasy land you want to live in is your business. But when it comes to like me changing everything for you, as far as not, not like, I'm not talking about rights, like, like legal rights. Like you have the right to be a person. You have the right not to be like, you know, beat up for no reason, stuff like that. That that's right. all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff, but like, no, I'm not changing pronouns for you. I'm not me. I'm not doing that. That's just me, me. Cause I come from a medical background and that's what I go with. So if your birth certificate says you're a, a dude at birth and you have a birthday, then your birthday obviously stays the same and you can be a, a male biological male that identifies as something else. That's fine. But then you have to imply that like you have to say it, right? You have to say, well, I identify as female. Okay, great. But then after that, I don't care anymore. You know, like I had, I had gay guys that we worked with, you know, that I worked with in the, in the, you know, my lifetime, whatever. And they were, this is back in the day when, you know, whatever, but before all this other stuff went on and they were gay and they were like, Hey, I'm gay. And I'm like, okay. I mean, nothing else changed. I still called them by their name. I still, um, you know, worked with them and had no problems working with them. They were still really good, you know, EMTs and stuff like that. And they were fun to work with and great people and stuff like that. And nothing changed because I'm not gay and I'm not into that well, lifestyle. Well, but I, don't, I, didn't hurt, I didn't put any hurt, hurt out towards him and, or bad vibe towards him. I was like, okay. Cool. And you and I both have friends that are lesbians. Yeah, we had, we had some and, in my department and, 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 I worked at and it didn't change right. it. It had nothing to do with anything and about no one, the job and living my life working at the same place. I don't, you know, and, and I called them by their names, whatever their name was. I called them. If they had a rank, if they were someone who was a Lieutenant, let's say, or a Sergeant, which was both those were above me. And, and if they said that, then I might call them by, you know, Sergeant, Lieutenant, last name, right? Something like that. I don't say the Sergeant Lizard identifies as a gay person, but I, none of that. I don't care about any of that stuff. And no, not, not, and also it wasn't normal or even something that was going on at that time, really that much, you know, but so this is all new. I think this is just a phase of people going through stuff and, trying to push limits, but when it, be, when it becomes more fantasy land than anything else, again, whatever you do in your own house with your own friends, great. 
you know, right. but when you make but it everybody my, my else's problem, become that becomes an issue. My whole point of this is where do you draw the line? You know, when, when, especially when you see on one hand, people are enforcing these rules all over the place of this is how these, how certain people need to be addressed. You will do this or, you know, there may be repercussion, you know, just completely, you know, making up new rules. Okay. But my whole point is if you're going to do that, you need to do it for everything. Okay. Not just pick and choose. Not just cherry pick what rules you want to change because that just seemed that that particular rule does not fit your, you know, official narrative. So you need to change it. Okay. Which is why I said used used ridiculous examples such as if I was a if I was a even though I'm forty nine years old, hey, I identify more as a sixty five year old and I need to be treated as such, which means I need to be able to cash in on my social security right now. Yeah, and I would, I, would, I, would, I, would just laugh, I would laugh you out of the building. Like, right, but 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 why is it why is it easy for people to laugh at that and just trying to shun it off? Like that's freaking bullshit. But when it comes to other things that, yeah, people, I'm sorry, despite popular belief, that's not different than what's being forced down our throats right now. You know, it's like there's, for example, there's schools around here that that are literally putting in sandbox slash litter boxes for these kids that refer to themselves as fur babies or furbies or whatever it is. That is the truth that I'm not bullshitting. So it, it, why is that okay? But if someone down the road, like, you know, wants to bend the rules as far as their age, which is still defying biology. But if that's how they truly identify themselves, because majority of their friends are 65, even though they're only 49, why can't they have the same advantages as their 65 year old friends? If that's how they identify themselves, you know, why is one ridiculous and the other not? I think it's all, to, I, I mean, I already me, made my, I've made my stance in the schools. It's more ridiculous than that. Uh, then an eight, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely ridiculous and I would not have, uh, any part, but we could go round and round with this all the time, you right. know, all day long, but and still not come up with any, you know, good answers. You know, it, it, it's just, it's just my whole point in bringing up th this whole conversation about this, this topic is where do you draw the line? How far does it go? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I already drew the line. Like for me, I mean, I just, I'm not playing that game. I don't do that. I, anybody I talk to in, in, right. in my life uh, talks normal. I don't, you know, I have a guy come over to work on my dishwasher. I don't ask him what gender he is or what he identifies as or, or what sexual orientation he is. Cause I don't fucking care. You know what I mean? Like he's a, exactly. I respect him as a human just being. Just like he doesn't, just like he doesn't care that you're a heterosexual male. Right. Right. right that's what I'm saying. Hair. Well, and even I just don't, it's not, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, this is a made up thing in like the, you know, like I said, this is a made up liberal bullshit thing that they're the, the extremists try to push in my opinion, because it doesn't matter. Like you have someone come to work at your house or, or you meet someone at the grocery store or whatever, any nonchalant thing. You talk to a person at a drive through at a restaurant, or you talk to your waiter or waitress or hostess at a restaurant when you're sitting down. I don't care about what you do in your off time. I don't give a fuck. I'm here. I'm here for a service. I'm coming to a restaurant to eat. So, you know, can you please seat me and be nice and like, you know, do all the stuff you're supposed to do or, or can you bring my food and do all that, you know, and, and everybody's great in that field. Like I totally respect people to do that job. Um, but I don't care what their orientation is. I, and nor do I ever ask. Right. Like, I don't ever be like, Hey, you kind of sound like, da, 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 are you, are you this? And then like, why, why would that matter to me? 
You know, I, I just don't, that's why I don't care. I said, I worry about myself and my family and, and then and my friends, right? And then fuck everybody else. Like, not in a mean way. I'm not saying it in a mean way, but like, I'm not, I'm not playing this game of like, because that's all they're trying to do is get you all riled up. And, and, and like you said, like, like the litter box or whatever thing, <laughs> like, like, okay, you have fun with that. You have fun with that in your, in your, you know, California stuff. And you have fun curtailing, like you said, if the, I haven't heard that military thing with the Marines thing you said, but like, cool. Okay. You know, great. That's good for yeah. you. I'm not, in, I'm not in the military. I never was in the military. Um, so if the military wants to do that, great. You know, like as long, as long as they still have men and women that fight for our country and protect us and stuff like that. Cool. Right. I, I just, uh, like I said, I'm, uh, you've known me for a long time. I'm, I'm the most non judgmental when it comes to a lot of these topics than, than most people. I just, I just find it utterly ridiculous that like, we can't even have a conversation like you and I have been having for the past half an hour about this topic without insulting somebody. That's, that's what I find is a big problem. It's like, look, if these are issues that are going to be forced upon society, we should at least be able to have a dialogue about it without offending anybody. Yeah, I agree. You with know, that. But as soon as you start talking about it, as soon as you have the slightest little bit of differences on that particular topic, even though you're not insulting, you're referred to as transphobe, racist, homophobe. You know, it's like, it's like, it, that makes about as much sense as me accusing you for knocking down my opinion, me referring to you as a heterophobe. You understand how ridiculous that sounds? Yeah, well, it's it, <laughs> you know? it, it, it's like what we talked about. We talked about uh, in in private. We talked about. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast or not. But we both had a person when we worked together um, that was gay. She was she was gay, and I was hanging out with her. Like you know, she started there, so she was relatively new. And so right. I'm I'm working with her, and you know, we're hanging out. She's cool as shit. Like we're just bantering back and forth about fun stuff all day because we work in a 24. And at some point during the afternoon, we're just sitting in the ambulance, like you know, shooting the shit or whatever. And, and she, and this is way before all this like woke stuff. So whatever. But, but she was like, she was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm gay. Or did you know I'm gay or something like that? It's, it came up. Like she just brought it up and I was like, Oh yeah. And, and, and she's like, oh, okay. And then, and then like, she was like kind of floored, I guess. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, okay. Like it's it didn't like, change anything. Like we still, why, she was why still, does that even matter? Right, right. And I don't, I don't remember why she, it wasn't like a mean way she brought it up or anything like that. That's like but, me saying, you know, I'm hetero. But she, Cause she was telling a story and then obviously it would probably, you know involved, I'm straight. it probably involved like another <laughs> shit. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it probably involved like her girlfriend or something. So she, you know, she's like, well, cause you know, I'm gay. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And then, and then she's like, how'd you know? I was like, we have a lot of gay people in our department. Like it, it doesn't, Great, I you know like I made an assumption and and I happen to be right on that one, but it didn't affect anything. I still thought she was a fucking cool hell girl to work with. Um, she was a great competent provider. So why are you why are you pointing that out to me? Are you afraid of my toxic masculinity? No, that that those words would never come out of my mouth. Because I just don't. The, I don't know. I just don't care. Like I, I these are terms that shouldn't come out of anybody's mouth because it's it sounds so ridiculous yeah i know, you know? and it, it's just I, but, it but just, anybody that talked like see okay for instance in that situation this is really the world we live let, in let's use that situation so i'm hanging out with that same partner at work and and we're just bantering through the day right and then they say that what they said to me and i come back with that or no they say that they say the uh, uh that i'm doing something toxic masculine whatever you just said right right at that point i'm out of the ambulance and I'm just walking away. 
I don't have, and I would just be like, well, not working with this person anymore. Like not in a mean way, but I'm just not, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not, I'm not getting into like fake fights of stuff. Right. Like I deal in reality. I've always dealt in reality. Or and, people and, that are trying to bait you. Yeah. I'm not getting baited into shit. Cause, cause honestly, yeah. it's not because I don't want to like have, I don't have an opinion or whatever. It's that I really don't give a shit. You know, no. for the most part, I care. Like I said, I care about me. I care about my family and I care about my friends. The randos right. that you meet in your life that you don't really, I'm not saying I want harm on anybody. That's not what I'm saying, but like, good. Uh, are you happy? Great. That's cool. Oh, you're not happy. Oh, that sucks. Sorry. Is there anything I can do to help you out quickly? Cause I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's, that's it. It, it, it. You know, like I said, I didn't mean to go this deep into that topic, but at the same time, it's, it's so, it's gotten to the point to where it's just so ridiculous how, and I'm not, when I say ridiculous, I'm not talking about people's identity. I'm talking about how these, you know, these societal issues are being dealt with and how they're being, you know, forced down people's throats when they, they, they don't really even have to be forced down people's throats. It's like a majority of people out there that they don't care. Like, We'll use Caitlyn Jenner as an example. Hey, I loved Bruce Jenner. He was one of the best athletes that ever lived, pound for pound. That's a fact. You know, I mean, who who am I to say that, you know, I don't know what struggles he went through, you know, having held this deep inside back from, the, you know, in the 50s when he grew up up until, you know, he was a one of the best athletes in the world. And this is something he struggled with all his life until he finally decided to come out. Hey, that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of fucking guts, you know, and I respect that, you know, and I, but at the same time, it, it, I think it just, it, it ruins the beauty of it when people try to take these type of, you know, situations and just force it in a ridiculous way down people's throats. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it only does that if you let it. That's how I look. At and, it. and I agree. I agree. I'm just, and I'm just, like I said, I'm just, uh, I'm speaking out loud because it's just seen everywhere. And it's just like, it's like, look, it's kind of like, like what you just said about one of our friends that just had to point out, well, you know, I'm gay, right? It's like, yeah, who fucking cares? It's like, why, why do you even need to say it? I don't fucking care. Well, they, she was saying you know, it, it because it had to do with the story in case, I guess she thought I might be shocked to learn it. And I'm like, yeah, there, there's gay people everywhere. Like, I've, I've had friends that are gay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, colleagues, coworkers, all this stuff. It's not uncommon. So, like, I don't know some why. Of my, some of my best friends are gay. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, that's I, what I'm saying. I, I, don't, I don't care. I look at them as, I, I look at, you, you know. Human I mean, being. What, yeah, I mean, you don't, the way, this is the way I look at it. You know, when it comes to, you know, same sex relationships or whatever. I mean, I look at it like this. I, and I've said this before, I don't know how many times probably on this podcast, but I, I could not help being born, being attracted to women. Okay. That's something that I wasn't, it wasn't a conscious thought. It wasn't a, it wasn't something that I chose. It's, it's how I was born. And it's the same well, thing. And like you were born people with, that are in same sex relationships. Uh, you were born with the desire to play with girls, horse toys. <laughs> And you can't. Help yeah, but that. I st- but I but I was still straight when I was doing that. Yeah, you just like brushing. Their and hair. I'm still straight when I do that now. It's like brushing their manes. <laughs> All right, dude, let's get out of here, man. We've been on the subject too long. You, you got anything else you want to add? It's almost two hours. No, I think I think you're I think you're I think you're one enough. more I think you're one more example. Has has I think we're past ten at this point. Jesus. 
<laughs> and that was alcohol free. Yeah. So yeah, God, that's why we have to stay sober during this podcast. All right, let's get out of here, man. Uh, it's been episode 32 of paramedics unscripted, and we'll see you next week on paramedics. Unscripted. Unscripted.